The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got the sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sunny and Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I've got Mitch Krumpetich here. Well, hi. I love every time that you say that, and I need to know, moving forward, is this the way you're introducing yourself? Uh, you know, I don't really know. I've introduced myself in a variety of different ways, and nothing has ever stuck long-term. But for now, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I like it. It, it catches me off guard, <laughs> but I like it. I Let's keep – I'll have a proper response next time. How does that sound? Okay, okay, okay. we can try. All right. This week on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about our first Suns game. We'll, we'll talk about what we remember for the first time that – we got to see these Phoenix Suns play, and after that reminiscing session, we'll talk about the most recent one that we've seen, the last Suns home game that maybe for the rest of the season. We don't know what's <laughs> going on, so that's why we want to talk about it. But before we do that, Mitch, what's the update on the NBA through this whole coronavirus situation? Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. So this week, there isn't a ton of new information, but we do have a bit. Most teams have opened their practice facilities following the guidelines that were in place that we've discussed throughout the last few episodes. You know, only, I believe it's four players allowed in the facility at a time. All the staff have to wear masks and gloves. Um, I know they have to do a 12 feet away kind of distance rather than six. So they're doing that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Everyone by now has probably heard of those restrictions, but most teams have opened their practice facilities and are just kind of, you know, trying to get everything figured out, still trying to make a decision on what's going to happen with the rest of the season. Um, I do know that there was a little bit of a rumor that a text had been sent out to all of the players asking them if they wanted to restart the season or not. I guess it wasn't anything official. And like the players association and stuff said, no, we never sent anything official out. But, you know, we've heard from a lot of stars like LeBron, Chris Paul, uh, Kawhi. A lot of these guys have had these conference calls, I guess, and they're all saying they're itching to get back. They want to play. They want to finish the season. So, um You know, we still don't really have anything official, but as far as all of this goes, I'm kind of thinking the season will be resumed in some capacity. Um, It's also interesting because the testing is, I guess, more available than we thought. Adam Silver is saying, like, doing 10,000 tests for the NBA isn't out of the realm of possibility anymore. Um, And that a positive test from a player 
might not necessarily mean that player has to shut everything down. I don't really know how that's going to work, but we'll probably hear more news about this in the coming weeks. Yep, it's just really interesting to think about all this stuff. And when we talk about what the superstars think, yeah, they're the superstars of the league. They carry their weight. But how about guys on teams who aren't making the playoffs? Do they want to hop back out there? I wonder what every player has to say. That's something interesting to consider. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what Colin Sexton is thinking right now. Right. I mean, all these guys love basketball for the most part. It's, you know, they, it's how they make their money. That's how they spend their time. And it's a fun game that, you know, it's easy to love. I know a lot of them want to play again, but at this extent, are they ready to do that? That's, that's interesting. And then another note, there is live golf on TV today. So we're moving in the right direction. So any of this news that's coming out, it just feels good knowing that we're we're inching closer. And if I have to watch a few more golf scrambles or whatever they're doing right now, I didn't catch the whole thing. No caddies. It's cool. But if I have to watch that for a few more weeks until things get underway, that's just fine. Right. Well, and I think we can look to the Korean baseball organization as well. They're playing games with no fans right now. And it's a lot different because uh, the way that you know, the containment of this virus has happened in South Korea is much different than in the U.S. Um, but it's still an interesting blueprint to kind of see how they're doing things. And I guess it's been pretty successful thus far. I've caught a couple of those games just to see what they're like. And it's pretty cool. So, you know, I, I think we're making positive progress. I see us kind of turning a corner uh, and getting all this under control. Yeah, and... You think about it, golf, you can social distance in golf, especially when those guys don't have caddies carrying their bags. It's just, you know, them, and it's easy to stay six feet apart. Baseball, aside from the ump, catcher, and batter, you're all pretty much six feet apart unless there's a guy on base and you're holding him there. But then they had a UFC fight. I caught the replay of that on ESPN. That was a little weird in such a... A sport where like the crowd is all around you and it's I saw a guy finish up a match get all excited jump up on the cage and start yelling and you could actually hear him yelling and then you realize there's no one in the stands it's just so weird yeah it is weird I, I mean if two guys can bash on each other and cut each other up and that type of thing it feels like why not why can't we play basketball Right, right. You know, if if everyone tests negative for it, then why not? And, I mean, you talk about social distancing. It's like with the way defense is played nowadays, these guys are six <laughs> feet apart. Ah, I got him. Should, should I say whammo? <laughs> Very well done. Very well done. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> All right, let's move it on. And let's reminisce about our first Suns game. And, you know, we miss going to the stick, talking stick arena and watching Suns games. And we recently kind of touched on our first Suns game when we had our our ladies on the show. We brought that up a little bit. But we just wanted to talk about, you know, that unique experience that every pretty much every Suns fan has had, stepping into the arena for the first time watching your favorite team play live for the first time. It's a special experience. So Mitch, how about you start us off? Yeah. Um, I 
have a pretty fun story, and I know I've told it a little bit on the pod before, but not too in-depth. So uh, I came to Phoenix for my 13th birthday, and at that point, I I had started my obsession with the Suns. I was watching all of the games that I could, and the Suns were really good back then. So um, they were on national TV a lot, ESPN games and, and all of that. So uh, this season, this was the uh, 06-07 season, and our record at the time that I watched this game was uh, 59 and 19. Uh, so we were pretty good. Yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, (laughs) we'll be back there eventually. So this game was April 11th, 2007 and the Suns were at home against the Seattle Supersonics and the Sonics did not have a good year that year. Um, but you know, it was, it was awesome to walk in because I remember I got the tickets for my birthday. I got three tickets so I got to go with my dad and my grandpa, and um, my my love of basketball comes from my dad. Uh, my dad was a really good basketball player, like in high school when he played, um, and he, you know, asked if I wanted to play basketball when I was like really really young. I remember the earliest memory of basketball I have is first grade, so I was probably six. And my dad just asked if I wanted to. And I was like, yeah. And so through the YMCA, I started playing and my dad would always help me. And uh, I remember as I got older, we used to practice together a little bit. Like after I would have games like in junior high, uh, we'd come home and we had like a hoop at home that, you know, you put the sand or the water in the base. And uh, I remember I would go over all the shots I missed and I would have him guard me because uh, I was usually taller than most of my like teammates and opponents. I was always like the tallest kid on the team until I got a little bit older and people caught up. But I remember like playing against my dad was always harder because he was taller. And so I would have him guard me and I would retake all the shots I missed in these games. So kind of a tangent there, but it, that, I do look back on that very fondly. So uh, I went with my dad and my grandpa and... I remember clearly the traffic on the way to the game was like horrible. It was so bad. And we thought about taking a cab, but we decided not to. And we were staying in Mesa, I believe, with some family. And so it was a long drive. I remember it being a really long drive. Um, We got there eventually. And you have to keep in mind that I grew up in Wyoming, This was probably the worst traffic I had ever been in. Mm. (laughs) Um, So that was tough because I was so excited and I had to wait in traffic. But we got there. We went in. I'm sure we got something to eat, but I don't really remember that too well. And we had these like nosebleed seats, like way up high. But I didn't even care. Like we had we could see everything. And so this was uh, Steve Nash in like a couple years into his return to the Suns. And he was my favorite player. I was so excited to watch Nash play. And I just remember we got there really early because that's what I like to do. I like to see him warm up and everything. And I clearly remember watching Steve Nash get in the corner, like behind the baseline even. So like where the corner three is, he was off the court, like kind of in the bench area. And he would grab the ball he would squat down as low as he possibly could 
and then he'd jump up as high as he could and he'd shoot. And he made every single one of those. He didn't miss the entire time. And he did that for probably half an hour. And then he'd like stretch really well. His warm up, like, well, I think his warm up probably stuck with me more than the actual game itself. It was well, wild. The, there's a great video on YouTube of the Steve Nash shooting drill or warm-up drill what he does for 20 minutes before every game or whatever and it's uh it kind of comes into play when you was this earl watson who really started or or triano i can't remember basketball oh Oh, yeah it was like basketball yoga i can't remember what it was 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 it was or was it uh igor i don't even remember earl was big on yoga i do remember that right but I'm leaning back towards this being from Igor back when he was an assistant when Steve oh, I think right. this is what it is. But the if you just watch all these things that Steve does to put himself in an awkward position and then still be able to make these shots with regularity, it's just fantastic watching him do it. And it gives you ideas of what kind of shots in my game should I try to figure out like that. And then you do that for 20 minutes. You jog to get your rebound each time. You're you're feeling it after that. That's like a nice little workout warm up sesh right there. Oh yeah, yeah, it was awesome to watch. Um, and then the actual game itself. I mean, the Suns won this game 109 to 91. And I remember Sean Marion also really stuck out. Uh, he had 24 points and 10 rebounds in this game, 10 for 15 shooting. I remember seeing him in person. And just like, I remember he dunked and they showed a graphic of like the matrix. And I was like, whoa, his (laughs) nickname's the matrix. Like, I didn't (laughs) know that, you know, it's so weird that like, and the internet was around back then, but I don't think it was nearly as accessible. And like, I was not going online every day, you know? Right. Um, And I just remember like, that was the first time I learned that his nickname was the matrix. And I was like, whoa, that's really cool. That's pretty. <laughs> so That's that true. that was pretty awesome. Just to see how athletic he was and how fast these teams played, it was so cool. Uh, Stoudemire as well. Amari had 18 points and 11 rebounds, three steals, a block, seven for 13 shooting. Uh, Amari was huge too, and I remember thinking, wait, is he the Matrix or is Marion? It took me a second to figure that out, but I I realized that Marion was. Um, but yeah, Amari Amari was always like my second favorite player after Nash. I loved the Nash Stoudemire pick and rolls. So it, it was cool to see both those guys just, you know, really turning it on in this game. And Nash Nash actually didn't have a great game. He only had 11 points on 5 for 11 shooting, 1 for 5 from 3, but he had 9 assists and you know the guys around him were were doing everything that they needed to. So that was nice. But you know what's so interesting? As I look at this box score, this does not look all that different than something we could see today. Nash having a line like that, like 11 and 9, those are like Rubio numbers. Rubio puts those numbers up all the time. Yeah. And Marion with 24 and 10, maybe that's like Booker. Booker's probably not going to get 10 rebounds, but like 24 points. Booker's probably going to put in a few more points. Maybe Ubre. Yeah, yeah, that's like an Ubre line. And then Stoudemire with 18 and 11, that's Aiton. Like 
Aiton puts up those numbers all the time. Yeah. Raja Bell in this game was he had 14 points, four assists. Like maybe we're looking Mikhail Bridges kind of line, play some good defense. He had he just had one block, but you know, Raja did a lot of stuff that didn't show up on the stat sheet. And then our other starter was James Jones, who hmm. had 13 points, four rebounds in this game. So, you know, maybe you replace that line with Booker with, I don't know, 36 to 45 <laughs> points or whatever. <laughs> but it's it's really interesting looking at these numbers again. And then off the bench, Leandro Barbosa, who I really fell in love with in this game. He had 20 points on 8 for 15 shooting and 4 for 6 from 3. And I just remember watching how fast Barbosa was and... Just his shot was kind of weird. It was kind of wonky, a little bit like Rubio, like kind of flat. And I just remember watching him, you know, the the whole beep beep thing. That's all Barbosa. And it's like, yeah, when you watch him play in person, you can see it. It, I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, man, just going to your first game and seeing those guys live and seeing how big and athletic they are. I remember that just hitting me like a ton of bricks being from South Dakota, watching, you know, maybe the highest level of NAIA college basketball game once in a while when I was a kid, and then going to an NBA game and then seeing it, it's, it was just so eye-opening, like, wow, this is a whole different level. Yeah, it was, it was unreal, and, you know, I've been to a lot of games since this one, but, I mean, this will always stick out as, like, an awesome game to me. I also remember telling all my family, like, you guys got to watch the game in case we're on TV. (laughs) Like, there was no way we were going to be on TV. But I was, like, I was ready. I was so ready to be on TV. And then I got, I remember we got back. Uh, I actually think we went back to Spencer's apartment in Gilbert. Shout out to Spencer West, my cousin who was on a, a few weeks ago. Uh, he was living here at the time, and I think they were hanging out over there. I'm pretty sure we went back to his place. And I remember asking my family, like, did you see us on TV? And they were like, no, but we kind of watched the end. And I'm like, well, what if we were on when you weren't watching? But we weren't on TV. We weren't. But I was excited. <laughs> was this a... Uh... In the day of DVR, or was this pre-DVR, where you would have had to get crazy and do a VHS tape if you were going to record Yeah, something. I don't know. Um, 2007? I don't know if oh. this was DVR. Yeah. TiVo. 2007 maybe. DV. Man, that's, that's like right on the verge, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe, maybe DVR was around. Maybe. I don't think Spencer had one, though. Ah. Yeah, would have had to get out the old VCR if you wanted to make that magic happen. Right, right. But no, I mean, it's okay that I wasn't on TV. It was fine. <laughs> Isn't it kind of silly, though, if me and you were to rewatch a game right now? We're always looking for ourselves to see if we get thrown in on a shot on TV. And right. we do once in a while. Sometimes, yeah. Every so often. <laughs> it's always funny. Right. And I mean, I don't want to go too far into this because... To be honest, I really don't know this team all that well, but the Sonics, it was cool to see the Sonics before they became the Thunder. And funny enough, Earl Watson was on that Sonics team. Ah. He didn't play. He didn't play, but he was on the team. So that's pretty interesting. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So 
my story, Mitch's was so good. <laughs> my first story is not good. And I'm going to do the first game I remember to going, and I remember the game. I, I just remember some things about it. This was in 2011, I believe. Yes. So my mother and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, came down to Arizona because my parents had a, they, they were snowbirds. So we came down and we, we finally decided to go to a Suns game. And you talk about the traffic. This was my first time driving in Phoenix, oh. uh, coming from South Dakota. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, it was a mess. I was shaking in my boots. I was like, we just need to make it there. And then once we, I was so relieved when we finally parked and I was like, oh, we're, fi- we're finally here. So I, I get in there and I'm excited to watch Steve Nash play. This would have been my first time watching Steve Nash play. We get in, we're in the upper deck. We, they're good upper deck seats. I think they were like the front row of the upper deck. So unobscured view, just perfect. And then we find out that Steve Nash didn't even dress for the game and that Aaron Brooks is starting instead. And I don't even remember Aaron Brooks. I remember a dude named Zabian Dowdle or Dowdell. <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce the name, but this dude played all the point guard minutes in this game. And I was like, who is, I, I barely know who this guy is. I came to see Steve. Is this really happening? And and I'll be 100% honest, I'm fuzzy on the details of this game, but I'm pretty sure it was against the Clippers. And this was ah. this was the like young Blake Griffin and Eric Bledsoe Clippers. Oh, wow, okay. Huh. And surprisingly, we win this game with a starting lineup of the Polish Hammer, Marcin Gortat, at power forward, Channing Frye, at small forward, Jared Dudley. Shooting guard, I maybe you switch him and Dudley, but Grant Hill was on that team. That's oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then Aaron Brooks was the starter. Just so weird. Like, I, I knew that we've probably maybe seen the best of Steve and the best of the Suns, and the, the team was starting on a decline a little bit at this point. Everyone was up up there in age. And and just I didn't get to see Steve, like I got to see Josh Childress play twenty, years, but <laughs> I, I didn't get to see Steve. And that's the only thing I truly remember of that game. Like yeah, I got to watch my team play, but Steve Nash wasn't there, and it hurt. Luckily, I was able to see Steve play live at some point. But man, that I'll, I'll always be a little burned about that. I didn't get to see him my first Suns game. And, I mean, I've been lucky enough. The first game I truly remember, I'll get to brag here a little bit, but I got to see MJ and Pippen and Rodman and Kevin Garnett. Like, that was that was my first NBA game that really rang a bell. So that one's, mm. it's all good. But I'm still a little bitter missing Steve at my first time to the, the arena in Phoenix. Yeah, that, I mean, even though it's not, like, the greatest experience not being able to see steve nash it's still cool that i mean getting to see grant hill is pretty cool i never got to see grant play oh yeah um and i mean i know your first ever game 
including like the Jordan Bulls and all that. I mean, that's awesome. That's so cool. All right, that that finishes up for our first Suns game, and let's go to a little more recent history and talk about the last Suns game that we were at, the last home Suns game that anybody could have watched. And it was against the Milwaukee Bucks. Luckily, they were without Giannis, but the Suns come away. They scored 140 points. Is that the number? Yeah, yeah 140 you up, to 131. You put up 140 points, and you send everyone home happy. That's what I remember the most about this game was I was feeling discouraged with the season and I was thinking, man, we're playing the Bucks. They don't have Giannis. That hurt to lose this one. You know, we're fans. We want to see wins. And I remember just vividly walking out of the arena with you, Mitch, and then feeling real good, just feeling happy that we won that game, feeling happy with the Suns. And then... It's all over for us after that. It's it just it gets ripped away. It's so interesting. Right. Yeah, we had no idea. I remember being really excited and I know the next game that that I was set to go to was going to be against the Timberwolves and I was going to go with my my cousin so Spencer's sister actually and her family. And I just remember thinking like, "Oh, our next home game is going to be so great too. It's going to be fun." And we're, you know, we're riding some momentum. We had also just beat the Blazers right before that in a pretty good game. So, it's like we were riding some momentum and you know, they didn't have Giannis, but we also didn't have DeAndre Ayton. So kind of cancels out. No, I'm just kidding. A, a um, little bit. When you do think okay. about, you know, Aiton plays respectable defense on Giannis compared to anyone else we can really throw at him. So, yeah, that does – that holds something there. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I just remember, like, being really excited after this game and, you know, thinking uh, – we still kind of had some playoff hopes. And – I guess if the season were to return, like mathematically, we haven't been eliminated yet. Um, but I just remember being like, you know what? Maybe we go on a big run. Like we're we're starting to get our to catch our stride here. And like Mikhail had a really good game. He had 21 points and 10 rebounds. I'm not gonna go through like the whole stat sheet because we've done this. I think probably three or four times now. Yeah. But like Mikhail, when Mikhail has those kind of games, it's like okay, we're, we're not messing around here. And then uh, Rubio had a, like a really nice triple-double, too, with 25 points, uh, 13 rebounds, and 13 assists. Like, I just remember riding that and being so pumped. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, going forward, what, what was in store. And, I mean, we're so happy about we found out these numbers of our – starting lineup or it's the second best net rating in the league. Mm-hmm. It, and then we see them do it without Aiton a game. Like Rubio gets a triple double without Aiton. How many assists right. does Rubio no- normally throw to Aiton? Plenty. Right. And then Booker with 36, we were kind of, you know, a little up and down on Booker towards the end of the year. There were some uh, struggles. His, his three just kind of went away and we were all wondering what's going on. And then he comes and shows that he has this killer instinct again. Like, everything's starting to gel. Yeah, we weren't going to make the playoffs. Probably weren't going to make the playoffs. But it just, it's a shame that it gets, you know, tossed away. And I know we did play 
what a game or two after this one away from Phoenix, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it still just hurts. Yeah, it definitely does. And, uh, you know, as I'm looking at this box score compared to the one I was talking about for my first game, something kind of stands out. We attempted 31 free throws in this game. And in the game from 2007, we attempted 11. That's wild. That's a huge difference. Because we were so fast. They couldn't even catch up to us to foul. Now, I, I wonder what it really... That's, that's crazy. And the NBA has changed so much. And think at the beginning of the year how often we were complaining about how many free throws we were giving up to other teams compared to the numbers we were getting. And then we ended up shooting a pretty high amount of free throws to ev- compared to other teams in the league. It's uh-huh. just so weird. Imagine... I'd like to know how quick you could get through a game back then when there wasn't a foul called every possession. Right, I know to it. what we do now. Right, yeah. And, I mean, to take this a step further, in, in the game in 2007 that I talked about, we attempted 11, the Sonics took 13. In this game against the Bucks from March, we attempted 31, and the Bucks attempted 21. That's a huge difference. I mean, the NBA games must have been way faster. Maybe they took 90 minutes. <laughs> Man, just saying this, 52 free throws in a basketball game, and that's not even, there's games with more. Right. Much more than that. But yeah, you think that, it, you get, uh, what, eight seconds at the line once you catch the ball? Mm-hmm. And then count in the ref telling everybody, two shots, everybody said, everybody said. And then the subs come in between free. Like, how much time is spent on just free throws from right. from the foul to the inbound after or the rebound? How much time does that take? Yeah, it's, it's a long time. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's amazing. We're talking a 13-year difference. It's not even like the 70s or anything. We're talking 2007, and the game has changed so much since then. Yeah, that's that's wild. It, I mean, it's like, what's the NBA going to look like in 2035 or whatever? Yeah. It's going to huh. be... It's so weird to think about. Hmm. Oh, I miss basketball. I really we miss do. it. Everybody does, man. This is tough, but we're getting through it, like we kind of said at the top things seem to be turning around a little bit hopefully and uh hopefully we have some answers on what's going to happen this season by well as we're recording this it's may 17th so you know maybe a couple more weeks little toward the the beginning of june we we have some answers maybe they did say something like we might not know answers until june or not know what we're going to be doing until june and man june's getting close Right. I, I heard, um, I believe this was Amir Blumenfeld from Jake and Amir fame, and he has his basketball podcast buckets. I think this was him who said this, that calendars are no longer like separate boxes for each day. Each month is just one big box. Yeah. And that's... I'm like, that is the perfect way to explain what all of this is like. That's how I feel. I don't even know like what time of day it is sometimes. It's just all blending together. Yeah, it's it's wild. Definitely. What I do know is it's hot. So yes. It must be we must be nearing close to summer. It is hot now. Yep. 
But with that, we will move into our non-sports section of the show. And today is a very topical non-sports section. It's allergy season. In Arizona, we've got a lot of things blooming. I've never really dealt with allergy issues until the past two days. I'm just having this weird reaction that's like allergy kind of stuff and um, having issues with like my eyes won't stay open and they don't like the light. Um, I've taken a couple different medicines in the past two days, like Claritin or Allegra. Um, I've tried like icing my eyes because that's kind of like relieving. But uh, like what my my non-sports question, and I really want to hear from from everyone who chimes in on Twitter. What do you do to deal with allergies? I've never dealt with this before. <laughs> okay, so mine starts back when I was a kid and down in South Dakota, and I don't know what it was, grass or pollen or what exactly it was, but every June, right around my birthday, I would get knocked down by the worst allergies of all time. My eyes would water, my nose would just drain, and it's the middle of summer, and feeling like that sucks. Mm-hmm. You, you expect that stuff to go on in the winter when you have a cold, but during the summer, I just remember hating it. And I tried everything. I tried every pill I could get my hands on. And there was one that helped me. And I don't know if you've taken it yet, but Zyrtec. Mm, I haven't tried that yet. That was the one that would do anything for me during those times. That was the one. And I know know people have their, their little recipes of what pills to take to knock you out in a situation like this. But Zyrtec was always my way. And when it comes to the light, that's the worst part. And even uh, nothing helps it. You can't like a pair of sunglasses maybe fixes it momentarily, but it, it'll end up sucking at some point. And it's just the worst. You just have to sit in the dark, more or less. Yeah, I wore my sunglasses all day long yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's wild. Okay, maybe I'll try Zyrtec. I mean, it's getting better. I know that it's not going to last too much longer, um, especially because, I mean, yesterday, I could barely open my eyes. And today I woke up, and it was it was a little tough, but it, it, you know, it got better much quicker. So I think, like, I'm probably to a step or two behind, like, the best I ever got yesterday, today. And hopefully tomorrow it's like clear it up and I can put my contacts in again. But we'll see. We'll see about that. Eye so, problems are are the worst, if you ask me. I can blow my nose all day long, but if my eyes are consistently tearing up and itchy and hurting, you can't do anything. Right, right. I know. It's like, <laughs> it's really tough, but I'll, I'll push through it. Um, so let me know, though at Sunny and PHX pod on Twitter, what you recommend for allergies. If you deal with allergies, what do you do? I'm very curious. <laughs> we need to know. Mitch needs to know so he's healthy for the episode next week, which yes. we hope you tune into. And again, social media, at Sunny and PHX pod, Twitter and Instagram, hit us up. Get Mitch the cure for this allergy season. <laughs> And tune in again next week. We appreciate you guys listening. Go Suns. Allergies. Allergic to cats. Allergic-
allergic to meat. My friend's mother's allergic to wheat. Allergic to meat? Allergic to wheat? Gotta be tricky finding something to 